Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, we have been on a two-week hiatus with random work schedules, holidays, uh, you name it. We've had barriers, so it's good to be back. We are now back on our normal schedule, so thanks for sticking with us. We do appreciate it. Yeah, you know, we just had a, a bumpy two weeks, like you said, schedules not lining up, happens from time to time. But here we are. Yes, and we are back. And we've got some big topics that we want to talk about this week, uh, including one that has got my blood boiling a little bit. And honestly, there's really no reason to have my blood boil when it comes to this. But as somebody that works, you know, in and out of media, 20 plus years of radio and TV experience, and working in other jobs where you have to you know, get certifications or you take training classes to receive uh, certificates and help increase education. When I hear about people wanting to put something like that together in order to receive a blue badge on Twitter or be verified on certain social media accounts when it comes to storm chasing, I'm scratching my head a little bit because I'm very confused. So we will get into that in a minute. Uh, in the last two weeks, we have seen a very quiet tropical Atlantic season produced a hurricane that made landfall in the United States after not really expecting anything to happen. And of course, you know, it's, it's the B square tropical curse where <laughs> it's quiet. And then all of a sudden something happens and poof, we had Elsa. We'll get into that. June came and went and we've now, you know, we're gosh, a quarter of the way, no, a third of the way through the month of July already. The stats are out in terms of severe weather. Bonnie, it was a very quiet month of June when it comes to tornado watches. So we will hop into that. But first, let me just say, hey, happy 4th of July. How was your holiday? It was really good. We, me and a couple of friends spent the 4th of July, the actual day, just out at the lake, Lake Thunderbird here in central Oklahoma. Um, and we just floated and had drinks and just hung out and it was really good how was yours uh mine was good i was stuck in a warehouse uh, i knew that going in it was the first time in four years that the certain amazon warehouse i work at was not closed for a night sort so that was very strange um i did get to see some fireworks uh, most of the state of oregon had banned fireworks because we are in a severe drought and if you've seen the news at all lately you know that there is a what we consider a mega fire burning in Southern Oregon, the bootleg fire this morning now has gone over a hundred thousand acres. It is 0% contained. Uh, this thing looks like a giant backwards sea that is currently burning, um, in, in Southern Oregon, just to the East and Southeast of crater Lake national park. And unfortunately it's looking like there is no weather help on the way. So it's going to be, up to the firefighters from across the West to come in and stop this thing or at least try and get it contained. Jeez. 
That's crazy. And how long has it been burning for? Uh, this one's been burning for about five to six days now, coming up on a week. Man, that's a lot of acreage burned in not very much time, and to have no, none of it contained, that's really scary. It is very scary. Um, we're starting to see crews from Portland and the surrounding suburbs start to send their um, specially trained brush units down to help fight this. Uh, the governor of the state of Oregon is very close to issuing um, another conflagration act, which will basically allow agencies in the state to help send resources in addition to what the federal government and the state government is, has already sent. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, when we get to the end of the show, we do our weather forecast for the Northwest, but we are in a pattern now where after the 4th of July, we joke it's summertime and in a severe drought, very little rain, dry thunderstorms most likely was the cause of this. So uh, we're going to see what happens, but uh, we are off and running. We had three mega fires last year in September. We talked about that a lot on the show. And now we're oh, starting this fire season out with one, possibly two. There is another very large fire burning uh, on the other side of the Cascades near Southern Oregon. So it's uh, it's very dicey out here. But um, with fireworks being banned, that was the call. They didn't want things to happen. And honestly, I think for the most part, people listened a lot of people were returning fireworks that they had bought, like at Costco or the very fire, various fireworks stands in the area. I know that we had one apartment fire um, July 3rd, and then into the morning of the 4th of July, that was burned on fireworks that displaced, I think, 30 units in downtown Portland in an wow. older apartment complex. But um, it was a three-alarm fire, and uh, they believe fireworks was the cause of that. So other than that, not a whole lot of damage done, but... I got to see some fireworks from a professional show, so it wasn't too bad. I just don't like working the 4th of July. It's not my favorite. Yeah, I mean, you know, any holiday is never fun. And and I'll tell you, and this might be un-American, but I'm not a fireworks fan. And the reason I'm not is for that reason, that they cause a lot of issues. They hurt people and cause fires, and they cause a lot of distress to animals. And people shoot them off when they're not supposed to. Like, they're illegal here in the city of Moore. And my neighbors across the street were shooting them out of their backyard. Yeah, it's like, don't you guys realize that we can see these? Right, and that also, if you burn down the neighborhood, people are going to be mad. Yeah, uh, you can face big fines and jail time for that. So, no, I don't think you're un-American for not liking fireworks. I like them in a controlled setting. Like, I think they're very pretty. I think they're fascinating to me. But then again, anytime that you combine gunpowder and, 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 and other explosive charges and light them off and, you know, things can happen... Yeah, you do run the risk of people acting stupid and doing stupid things. And unfortunately, it's not the fireworks that usually cause the injuries. It's the people doing stupid things with the fireworks that cause the injuries. That is, that's true. That's very true. Like, everything can hurt you in the world. If you handle it responsibly, you won't. You know what I'm saying? And so people just don't know what to do with fireworks and they're always drinking while they're lighting them off and there you go there's your thing because you know lighting a firework in your pants is probably not the smartest thing in the world but it's funny or lighting it with your face over the top of it is 100 percent. but you know what do i know yeah all i gotta say is move terry move good lord terry good lord (laughs) right like back up man put on a mask or something oh by the way i almost bought the backup terry t-shirt this year but i didn't (laughs) almost you should have the one I did buy that's still not here says get lit and it's a 
giant firecracker. <laughs> so that was fun. Nice. But so good. Fourth of July. Now let's jump into the month of June. Bonnie, the month of June has come and went. Severe weather was prevalent, but it wasn't that prevalent. In fact, according to our friends at the Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma, this was the third fewest June with tornado watches issued with a total of 10. Wow, just 10. That's nuts. I mean, we spent the last week of June raining every day, flooding, but it was it was literally rain. There was like a rumble of thunder here and there, but it wasn't even storms. It was just rain. So it was a weird June. The rain itself was not weird for us because June's actually one of our wetter months. But for it to not really be thunderstorms at all is crazy. And for it to be like that across the country, very weird, very weird. No, I completely agree with you. And you go back, you look at this um, infographic that they've put out and they had 10 tornado watches for the month of June, which is tied now for 1988 in terms of third least tornado watches issued. But, Bonnie, I'm just looking at this here, and I'm quickly surmising something. 2017, there were 15 tornado watches. 2016, there were 11. Okay? Mm-hmm. 2019, 8. 2020, 6. 2021, 10. So just based on, take the last five to six years, we've seen that number go down and then come up just a little bit. Again, is it a trend? Maybe. Is it just the conditions for the month of June weren't necessarily uh, conducive to tornadoes? Maybe. We know that, you know, the southern chase season or your chase season exists primarily, you know, late April through early June, primarily the month of May. We know that the Dixie tornado season is usually, you know, February, March, April. The Great Lakes tornado stuff, eh, you know, that's kind of hit and miss. They have a tendency to get more of their severe storms this time of year. But just to have 10 tornado watches issued tells me the atmosphere wasn't really conducive to a whole lot of anything. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that you're right. Maybe we're kind of back on the upswing, you know, with with thunderstorm action in June. So maybe next year it'll be 11. Right. And so, again, just diving deeper into these stats... According to SPC, June 2021, there were 3,400 preliminary severe weather reports received. That's roughly 1,300 below the 10-year average of 4,758. Tornado reports were also below normal with 109 reports, which is is less than the 10-year average of 176. So that's a significant dip in tornadoes. Of the tornadoes reported, five of them have been confirmed to be significant, which is EF2 and above. As it stands now, this is the sixth fewest June with significant tornadoes on record. This count could change as the final storm data becomes official in the coming months. So, despite the below normal overall severe weather activity, there were still a few notable events. On June 20th, a tornado struck the Chicago suburbs uh, with an EF3 and 11 injuries. That was a big deal. June 10th, widespread hurricane strength winds reported across eastern Montana and the Dakotas. 20 reports of hurricane strength wind and a gust a maximum of 93 miles per hour measured at the Williston, North Dakota airport. So um, while it was quiet, it wasn't 
all that quiet, but still, man, just not a lot of tornado watches. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's been a lot of uh, wind and hail stuff going on across the country. You know, I mean, we had that big hail mm-hmm. uh, down in Norman, and I don't remember when that was. I think that was the beginning of June, but I honestly don't remember. But, you know what I mean? So, like you said, just not a lot of tornado action right? I mean, really it, at all. Right, and we've seen, you know, lots of severe storms in the month of June and <laughs> June. Wow. Month of June <laughs> and July. I'm trying to combine words, and that's not good. I like Jaloon a lot. Me too. It rhymes with Saloon, which is probably where it should be, but hey, different story, different day. Um, but the atmosphere just wasn't conducive to tornadic activity. Yeah, a lot of wind, a lot of hail, a lot of straight line winds. Um, we saw a lot of, you know, lines basically bow out, and that was the big story. Wind and hail was the major threat in the month of June. And I think that's what we have, just have to chalk it up to. It's not. I don't think the atmosphere is going to stop producing tornadoes because clearly that's not the case. I mean, we did have an EF3 go through a Chicago suburb. That's a yeah. major U.S. city, so. Yeah. And it's Chicago, you know. And yeah. that's, when you think tornadoes, you don't really think Chicago, you know. So yeah. uh, for it to be that strong of one and it to go through a major city, like you said, and I mean, that's a big deal. So, yeah, definitely. You know, it's only a major. It's it's only a matter of time before a major city does get hit with a tornado, whether that be Dallas, Fort Worth, Oklahoma City, Birmingham, Memphis, Nashville, Chicago, Detroit. I mean, gosh, they even had a tornado warning for portions of New York City um, yeah. in the month of June. So, you know, but we that's even weirder. Yeah, it is weird, and again. The East Coast, their severe season is upon us now. I mean, I can't tell you how many tweets I'm getting from a friend of mine who is the morning met at a TV station in uh, lower Pennsylvania. And it's just constantly severe thunderstorm warning, severe thunderstorm warning, severe thunderstorm warning, tornado warning. It's just like, Jiminy Christmas, that's their, this is their chase season. This is their, you know, big, big push. And so it'll be interesting to see what July stats come out because I know there have been some tornado watches issued already. I don't know if they're past 10 or not. I did not look that up before we started taping, but uh, it'll just be interesting to see what happens for the month of July. I mean, it's it's already getting started. I mean, we were in an enhanced risk yesterday and had the severe thunderstorm watch issued yesterday for a good portion of Oklahoma. So, I mean, it's it's going. It's happening. It is. It is off and running. Speaking of things off and running, Bonnie, the Atlanta tropical season was kind of quiet. And then along came Elsa. Let it go, let it go. I am one with the wind and sky. Let it go, let it go. Sorry, I had to. I'm one with the wind and sky is just like perfect for a hurricane. You know it what is. I mean? Perfect. It is, and the fact that it's Elsa, by the way, if you don't know what that is, that's Frozen from, um, or the song Let It Go from the Disney movie Frozen. A lot of people are like, what Which was that? Which is an epic movie, by yes. the way. If you've not seen it, go watch it, because it has to deal with weather, so it's automatically on the list of our favorite movies. Now- To be fair, it deals with winter weather, but whatever. And you know what? She's one with the wind and sky. That's right. Yeah. As are we all. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, Elsa made landfall as a tropical storm on uh, four days ago, July 7th. 
uh, along the North Florida Gulf Coast around 11 a.m. Eastern. Maximum sustained winds were estimated at 65 miles an hour at the time of landfall. Now, but else, she did get to a hurricane right before landfall, right? Yes, she did. She was a she hurricane. She came back up a little. Yep. She ramped up just as she was actually passing uh, off to the west of Tampa Bay. She was a hurricane. 74 miles an hour sustained winds. Dipped back down to 65 on landfall. And then she uh, just proceeded to do what tropical storms do. Drop a lot of rain and bring in some wind. And I'm not going to lie, the storm surge was pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of good video coming out of Florida of, of the waves crashing and just the, I mean, it was amazing. Like, because you, nobody really gave Elsa any credit or any thought. You know, there's like, oh, okay, she can bring some rain and maybe some wind. But I really, I mean, she kind of packed a punch a little bit. Yeah, 100%. Um, again, early season. <laughs> Florida has a tendency to get uh, probably their more than their fair share of early season tropical storms. Usually they remain tropical storms. It's you know kind of rare to see a hurricane this early in the season, but it does happen. But Bonnie, I got to talk about the forecast because our friends at the National Hurricane Center knocked this one out of the park. Oh, it was so good. I, I think I tweeted something that the track was like 47 miles off at one point Yeah, in the cone of uncertainty. And I was like, wow, that's basically flawless right there. It is basically flawless. And I think, you know, they forecasted it coming up through the Caribbean. Uh, it made landfall in Cuba, passed over Cuba, came up the west coast of Florida, and again, made landfall in the panhandle. But, man, the forecast was spot on. The timing was right on. Like you said, within 47 miles of the cone of uncertainty. And again, that was constantly being refined and it never wavered. No. So that was pretty awesome. They know what they're doing. I don't even, I can't even comprehend like how smart they are and how I don't even, like I'm just impressed. That's that's all I can say. I'm just impressed. Yeah, it was very impressive to say the least. Um, So shout out again to the guys at the National, the guys and gals at the National Hurricane Center. Um, You guys nailed this one. You knocked it out of the park, and props to you guys. I know that they've put a lot of time and money into getting their weather models up to a point where they feel extremely confident about issuing long-range forecasts, and this continues just to provide belief in it because that is very important because what they did was pretty awesome. Not going to lie. Well, and I mean, I get why they want to put money and time and effort yep. into it because a hurricane can devastate a huge area and a lot of lives in a day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, tornadoes cause problems, but they'll destroy a neighborhood, but a hurricane can come in and destroy half of a state. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of like they want to be able to really warn people and give them as much time as possible to make decisions to stay or leave or whatever. So it totally makes sense that, that's a huge priority in the weather community. So not diminishing other weather phenomena, just saying, but hurricanes are obviously a big deal. They are a very big deal. And props to the folks in Miami. They have done a fantastic job and, you know, we applaud you. So thank you for everything that you guys do and keeping us safe. Now, there is nothing currently forecast in the Atlantic to take place over the next 48 hours. All is quiet on the Eastern front. Out in the Western Pacific, there's just one area that they are looking at, and it's 
no big deal. There's nothing in the Central Pacific to affect Hawaii, so we just wait. However, there was one. I thought there was something. I thought there was an area in the far northern Atlantic, like near Maine. Nope, nothing. It's gone now. It is. Okay, it was. It was there, but it now it's gone. So, all right. Here is something that I do want to share with you real quick, and I would highly recommend if you are any have any interest in hurricanes or tropical weather, I want you to go read this article. It's on the National Hurricane site, and the headline caught my attention, and I thought it was very interesting, so I'm going to share just a little bit with you. It says, was 2020 a record-breaking hurricane season? Question mark. Yes, but dot, dot, dot. Hmm. So I was like, hmm. Okay, so... I'm scrolling through the article and trying to find out what the butt was. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I just like how you phrase that. <laughs> right. Because it is it is important. Yeah. You know, we, obviously it was record setting for amount of name storms, amount of damage done. But let's take a look at why they say it's butt. The number of name storms is only one measurement of the overall measure of a season's activity. And indeed, for the 2020 season, other measures of the Atlantic Tropical Storm and hurricane activity were not record-breaking. For example, the number of hurricanes 14 was well above average, but fell short of the previous record of 15 hurricanes that that occurred in 2005. For overall monitoring of tropical storm and hurricane activity, tropical meteorologists prefer a metric that combines how strong peak winds reached in a tropical cyclone and how long they lasted, called the accumulated cyclone energy, or ACE. We've talked about ACE before. Interesting concept. Mm -hmm. By this measure, 2020 was extremely busy, but not even close to record-breaking. Wow. In fact... With a total ACE of 180 units, 2020 was only the 13th busiest season on record since 1878 with seasons like 1893, 1933, 1950, and 2005 substantially more active than 2020. One can also wow. see, yeah, one can also see that while there is a long-term increase in recorded ACE since the late 1800s, it's quite a bit less dramatic than the increased seen named storms. There is also a pronounced busier slash quieter multi-decadal 40 to 60 year cycle with active conditions in the 1870s to 1890s, late 1920s to 1960s, and again from the mid-90s onward. Conversely, quiet conditions occurred in the 18, uh, 1900s to early 1920 and again 1970 to 1980 or 1990. So they post this graph of the accumulated cyclone energy index or ACE and you can see the wave. It's very interesting. They have wow. year by year the total amount of energy measured in ACE and they literally put the actual wave form on there and you can see it's very interesting. Now, if this were to be believed, we could be now headed into a quieter portion based on ACE. Again, just a little downward tick. Again, it's a wave. I'm sure it's smoothed out for, you know, the rough edges, but it's very interesting. So, Well, you would think just the sheer volume of storms from last year would make the ACE score higher just because there was so much more, but I guess we just had a lot of really weak named storms, and that's yep. why 
that didn't get. That's nuts. That's crazy. All right. I like that ace thing. That's a very, that's good. Yeah. That's good to have more than one metric to measure a busy season. That's Agreed. really good. Now, we have also talked about how technology has changed meteorology, right? Better observations, better tools to have. They take this into an account, and I'm going to share this real quick. So this section is called Technology Change and Name Storms. So why would a record for name storms be broken in 2020 while the overall activity measured by ACE is not even close to setting a record? That's the question they pose. The answer is very, is very likely technology change rather than climate change, which is interesting. Hmm. Today, we have many advanced tools to help monitor tropical and subtropical cyclones across the entire Atlantic Basin, such as geostationary and low-Earth orbiting satellite imagery, the Hurricane Hunter aircraft of the U.S. Air Force Reserves and NOAA, coastal weather radars, and scatterometers, uh, radars in space that provide surface wind measurements. In addition, the instrumentation and measuring techniques used by satellites, aircraft, and radars are continually improving. These technologies Technological advances allow us at the National Hurricane Center to better identify, track, and forecast tropical and subtropical cyclones with an accuracy and precision never before available. This is great news for coastal residents and mariners since these tools help us provide the best possible forecasts and warnings to aid in best preparedness for these life-threatening systems. Such technology, though, was not available back in the advent of the U.S. Signal Service, the precursor to the National Weather Service, in terms of tropical monitoring in the 1870s. Without these sophisticated tools, meteorologists in early times not only had difficulty in forecasting tropical cyclones, but they also struggled in even knowing if a system existed over the open ocean. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the only resource hurricane forecasters could use to monitor tropical cyclones were weather station observations provided via telegraph. Such an approach is problematic for observing, much less forecasting, tropical cyclones that develop and spend most of their life cycle over the open ocean. Here's a timeline of critical technologies that have dramatically improved tropical meteorologists' ability to see and monocle tropical cyclones. So, all the way back to 1878, ship reports and weather stations, right? It's been well documented. We talked about this on the show. Founding fathers were weather nerds. Took constant weather measurements, documented it. That's fantastic. Ships come ships at sea come with two-way radios somewhere between 1905 and, say, 1910, okay? And that stays with us all the way for 30 years. That's it. Hurricane Hunter aircraft come into existence in the late or the early 1940s. Coastal weather radars are not installed until probably 1955, if not later. Polar orbiting satellites not launched and operational until the early 1960s. Geostationary satellites not operational until the mid-1970s. Okay. We do not get accurate winds from an aircraft until 1990. That's huge. So is what you're saying that all these years, could have been just as active. We just couldn't. We don't know. Tell because yep. we couldn't measure it. Right. And so it just seems more active. Okay, that makes sense, and that's also comforting. Oh, very comforting. Bit. Very comforting. But you look at all the stuff, and again, from 1990 to today, really is such an increase of 
technology used to help monitor storms. And it's so important because, again, we've talked about it on the show, and that's one of my theories. You know, we talked about that with the one uh, thunderstorm about, you know, the intensity of lightning and the intensity of a strong of a storm. If something's measured by satellite, that's great. But until we know and see that happen multiple times, I don't know if we can accurately say, well, this was the strongest something ever on record. Yeah. Because we just don't know. So this article is fantastic. Um, I will tweet the link out to this on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast if you want to go read it because it is extremely fascinating and I love stuff like that because it just makes my brain spin and I love that. So, well, and and we've talked about this a bunch of times, but one really great story, one really great event is the 1900 hurricane that hit Galveston. Yes. And that whole story, the beginning to end all, it's so good. And there's a really good book about it called Isaac storm. And I just highly recommend you reading it because it's, it just really shows you how people never thought a storm like that could even hit the United States, period. And there wasn't a whole lot of yep. instrumentation and stuff like that at that time to measure either and, and get a good forewarning. So it's just really good. And it kind of goes along with what we're talking about. So plug in that. So go ahead. Go read it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a fantastic book. And do the research on the Galveston tornado because it really opened a lot of eyes to what severe weather especially hurricanes can do. Yeah. And it wasn't just now just a regional impact. Oh, okay. You know, if you live near the Gulf, okay. Yeah. No big deal. This thing's impact spread far beyond the Texas coast. So exactly. It opened people's eyes and went, wow, we really need to start preparing for this kind of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. So we look at the tropics again, nothing happening right now. It's still early in the season. We are nowhere near the prime of it. So just keep an eye to the Atlantic and in the Gulf because something can pop up uh, in a moment's notice. Well, and it will now. Yes, it will. We've just (laughs) talked about it. That's why. Oh, boy. I love when that happens. Don't you? Yep. I love being wizards. It's really fun. (laughs) We do have that power here at B-Squared. We are your tropical connection. Oh boy. Fear us. No, I'm just kidding. We'll use our powers for good, I promise. Yes, we will. Well, you guys had an active week with some thunderstorms, which were really cool. Um, I know last night you guys had a bunch of stuff come through, but I want to talk about this thing right now with Chaser Rankings, and I think it's stupid. I will be honest. I haven't seen anything about it, so I don't know exactly what it is but i also don't understand who came up with it oh boy so (laughs) i gotta find the article because this is really what's gonna fire me up and i i know i read it earlier but and it just drives me nuts but Uh, now, I'm not talking about the Oklahoma, the Omaha Storm Chasers, by the way. If you do not know who that is, that is uh, a minor league baseball team in Omaha, Nebraska. They all call, they are called the Storm Chasers, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Hey, at least there's one sports team out there named something like that. That's good. It's not good. As, it's not as good as the Rocket City Trash Pandas, 
but I will give it a nod. <laughs> Nothing's as good as a trash panda. Yeah, no, right? All right. This comes from Reddit. Because Reddit is the source for all things true on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> So, according to Reed Timmer, Reed wants to start a storm-chasing power ranking system. Now, granted, it's an idea. There are no metrics set forth how to establish this. But I just want to take a moment to say I think this idea is absolutely ludicrous. I've never met Reed. I've got a ton of respect for the man. But why? Why do we need this? Yeah, exactly. That was my question. Like, what? what's the point? Is it to thin out the herd and try to like lessen the amount of chasers that are out there. Is it too, I, you know what I mean? Like there's like, where, where's, where, where's the point? Does he not have enough publicity and hype behind him that he, he wants to get something going so he can rank himself number one? Well, it says the first ever storm chasing power rankings will be released next month. This was on June 26th and will be updated monthly. Factors include tornado intercept rate, time lapse skills, reports to NWS, media content requests, optimism during droughts, summer camp sessions, editing skills, and live streams, etc., etc., etc. The Storm Chasing Hmm. Power Rankings will not have a personal bias. There will be a few chasers on the list I really don't like. This is pure objective ranking system, no emotion involved. Why? Now, if this is a joke, fine, great. But why? I mean, yeah, like, like, why? Like, just for the hell of it to have just something new happening, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mean, I don't hate the idea. I just kind of don't see the point. And I also don't want it to discourage, you know, other chasers who aren't as experienced or, you know, who who are just trying to get out there and learn. Right. Making them feel like crap and making them feel like, oh, well, you're number 200 out of 200 chasers, you know, or whatever. I don't know. It just seems like why. I just find it dumb that we need to have a ranking of something because, again, obviously, if you are one of the people that's, you know, to to borrow the line from Twister, he's in it for the money, not the science. You know, you're going to have more intercepts. You're going to have more, you know, Storm lapse photography. You're going to have better editing skills. You're going to have a whole bunch of things. Does that make you a better storm chaser? No. Well, because, I mean, the thing is, it's not really an even playing field. Because, like you said, those who are backed by money or more money, they have better equipment and vehicles and whatever. And some people are just taking out their, you know, old Toyota and with their camera and doing the best they can. And Right. So it's not really even. Right. So you want to tell me then, like... I don't know. Um, the research teams from OU and from Kansas and from Oklahoma State and Texas Tech that have been doing it for years and years and years. You want to tell me that their ranking's not going to be on par with, say, Reed's? Or higher because yeah. of their equipment and the experts they have going with them and, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's exactly correct. That it's just it's just not an even playing field, so it's just kind of weird. It's just kind of weird. It is weird, and again, I I don't see the need for it. 
Um, if they want to create a system, great by all means, more power to you. But I just, I don't see the need for it because if you're basing somebody off of, you know, the criteria that he listed, you know, there are plenty of educators out there that are storm chasers that go out and they want, you know, I can think of a couple of friends of mine that I know here in the Northwest that go back and chase every year. And they're like, we never get within, you know, three miles of a tornado. And frankly, we like to chase just the LP supercells because we'll be able to see a tornado clearly if one forms. And, you know, you and I have talked about this on the show a lot. I believe that these are more photogenic. The LP supercell tornadoes are more photogenic than, you know, standard supercells or the high precipitation ones. But, you know, okay, so what? They, they're good storm chasers. They stay safe. They get great footage and... You know, maybe they're not selling it to CNN or Fox News or or somebody. Um, so their metric is down. I just I just think it's a dumb idea. It's like if we're going to rank people, let's make it an even playing field. Exactly, because I mean, people chase for different reasons. People, yeah. some people are willing to travel across the country to chase, and some people can't. They have to work their real job and their full time job, so they can only chase nearby every once in a while and they still can't even go chase every time. So just that alone, if not every chaser can get out at every event, then automatically they're going to be ranked lower because just of the amount of events chased, you know what I mean? So it's, right. it, it's kind of a flawed, well, not kind of, it's pretty flawed and pointless as we've said. So Agreed. I don't get it. Agreed. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I think this thing's going to come across and end up as a dud. But I could be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Hey, and we love Reed. He's great. Yeah. I'm, We're not saying anything. It's yeah. just, this is weird. <laughs> it, it is weird. Like I said, I have nothing but the utmost respect for the dude. I mean, I want a Dominator. I would love to chase with Reed all day, every day. Right. And, you know, given, the, given <laughs> the invitation, I'm there. But I just, I think it's a weird concept. I, I just, I'm unless like he can explain in better terms, why it's needed. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's weird, but that's just me. Yeah. So. Well, cause without that, the intent behind it, all we can all do is speculate and, you know, it just, it, you know, tell us what you're, why you want this read. Just explain. Exactly. Explain. Exactly. If there's money tied into it, cool. If not cool too, but you know, you gotta, you gotta give me something. Yeah. So, um, just looking, speaking of tornadoes and weird stuff, uh, looking to see what SPC has for the day. Again, slight area of severe weather expected um, in western Pennsylvania uh, in an area that extends from Texas into Louisiana and into Mississippi. Most of the state of New Mexico is under a slight risk and uh, portions of southeastern Arizona. Speaking of southeastern Arizona, do you see the pictures of the dust storms that have happened the last few nights? Yeah. Fantastic oh stuff. Oh my lord! Those I love are insane. Stuff. They are. Those are just nuts. Like they they need some rain. <laughs> they do need some rain, and they've gotten some. I mean, the big thing with that is flash flooding because it is so dry, and there's so much infrastructure around the Phoenix metro area that water really has nowhere to go. Yeah. So you just get a lot of rain quickly, but yeah, the dust storms were fantastic to watch. I do that radio show, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday down there in Mesa, and. I'm the only one that really cares about their weather 
the other guys that you know have their show are like, eh, sunny and hot, maybe a thunderstorm. <laughs> uh, this time of year, a little bit more detail, um, but that's just me. So, hey, but well, you know the dust storms are happening, and at least there's something to talk about right. with that. So. And and it's gorgeous. I have a friend of mine, a girl named Kelsey, who is a pilot down in Phoenix, and she keeps posting videos of her and her. Uh, co-workers going around and having to taxi planes in as the dust storm is coming across the airfield. Oh, wow. Because it goes from dead calm to 55-mile-an-hour gusts in a matter of seconds. And so they're trying to get all the planes tied down or put into the hangars just to keep them safe, but it's it's pretty intense. Pretty intense. I think it's I awesome. So, like that, though. Yeah. I want to see a haboob. <laughs> I would love to see a dust storm just once. Yeah, right? Like a legit, decent dust storm. Yep. Not, you know, a little one. Yep. Like it, a big one. Yep, it is on my it's on my weather bucket list. By the way, we need to do that show again. Because we've had changes to our weather bucket list, so. That's true. That's true. We need to update the, the bucket list. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right. What do you guys have coming up forecast-wise for Oklahoma City? Um, we are just going to be in the low 90s. For the, like basically for this whole week, the humidity is going to come back. It's going to get a little bit windy, but low 90s for July or Jaloon, as you call it, <laughs> is not bad. Like most of the time we're creeping up in the hundreds past 100. So I'll take it. Um, there's going to be another cold front that it looks like it's going to come through next Sunday and give us rain chances again. But uh, for this week, just hot. Humidity's coming back. That's okay. It's not bad. Uh, out here in the Pacific Northwest, temperatures are finally coming off of the record stretch of record highs. Good Lord. Uh, we'll have to get into the analysis of the mega heat wave we had a couple of weeks ago because we've had a couple of papers published. It is very interesting. Um, we talked a lot about how subsidence helped with helping bake our atmosphere. Temperatures were warm top to bottom. And for the most part, that's what the, you know, attribution will be there is some talk of climate change in there but uh even you know some of the smartest people are like a one degree fahrenheit change in temperature of climate change in the last you know 40 years is not the reason for this happening so uh a couple different viewpoints so it will be interesting to discuss we will do that in the upcoming show here but for us today we're temperatures are going to be cracking 90 if we're lucky um, but then it's just, it's rinse and repeat. It's sunny all the way through, through the end of the week. Temperatures actually start to cool off a little bit. Um, by the time we get to Thursday, still sunny, but high might crack 80. So it's gorgeous. It's absolutely perfect. Summertime weather, uh, looking forward to it. I have my cousin's wedding coming up next Sunday or uh, next Saturday. Temperature can be perfect. Lower eighties. Cannot wait. That sounds nice and a much big difference from oh, yeah. <clears throat> your heat wave. So that's good. Yeah. I'm glad you all are more, it's more livable up there now. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, you go from 113 as a high to 83. I will take it all day, every day. Because that's what we're looking at. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. No, I think that's way better. So good. I'm glad your heat is gone and I hope it does not come back. <laughs> yes, that makes that makes two of us. But we are all now kind of on pins and needles looking at, you know, all the extended forecasts. All right, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Not yet. So we're good. 
Uh, but that's hey. the worst part of that is it's like, oh, it happened once. It could happen again. It's oh, of course. Again this season. Right. So. Unbelievable. Well, I'll send you some water bottles. Please do. Please do. Speaking of that, all right, I got to share one quick story. So as you know, I work for Amazon. Mm-hmm. One of my coworkers gets an email, and this chain goes all the way up to the founder of Amazon. Okay. Not going to name him. Whoa. Everybody knows who he is. Right. And it says, we need to help this customer locate their package. It's very important. Okay. We have the ability, because we track everything within our network, that we can stop a package at a certain location and either the person can come pick it up or we will figure out a way to get it to them. So, obviously, when you get an email on a chain all the way down from the founder of the company, you take it seriously. So my boss and one of my coworkers are tasked with finding this package. Well, we run, we run, run the tracking information, find out that it already left our building. It was on a semi truck headed to a delivery station somewhere in Portland. And I mean, it was just a lot of work to try and find it out. So my coworker was like, well, let's see what it is. She's thinking it's gotta be like medication, maybe an air conditioner, something. Nope. It's a very run of the mill Nalgene water bottle. Wow. What what the heck? Right. Why so, stop everything for that? Well, again, so our <laughs> the owner of the company got an email and obviously forwarded it on. And it gets sent down the chain of command. Till it gets to somebody that actually can track the package and find out it's a water bottle. Oh boy. <clears throat> When yeah. the thing is, like, you could just order another one and cancel that one. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you could go to your store and buy one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Some people are just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Hey, note to self I got one of those gallon water bottles, the one that's got like the times on the side, you know, that's like, oh, yeah. going, chug, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I would fill it up like a third of the way with water and put it in the freezer at night, leave the lid off, but it's a gallon jug that's mostly empty. Mm-hmm. And one day I came in and the thing had exploded in the freezer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? So I ordered another one, but I just was like, how did that even happen? This isn't even all the way full, so I don't do that it, anymore. It still could be pressure, or it could be the fact that once in the freezer, the plastic uh, became very brittle. That's true, and it and I had done it for like a week and a half or so, so maybe just in and out of the freezer like that. Yeah, probably made the material weird, so I don't right. do that anymore. Or it had a crack in it from one thing, and the water got in there and just kind of expanded it. I mean, I saw yeah. I did the same thing when I had the frozen glass bottle. Uh, during our snowstorm this past winter, yeah. woke up one morning and the glass bottle had shattered and I'm like, but the top was open. It could have flown out, but I'm like, oh no, water gets into the very many uh, micro cracks and it still freezes and expands and poof. And then there you go. You got yourself a little tiny ice bomb in the freezer. Yes, you do. Bam. <laughs> it's a wonder you don't hear it happen. It must just be a very subtle, like... Oh, I'm sure it's very subtle. But I'll tell you, one piece of plastic was on a different shelf in the freezer. Well, then it, then it did explode with some velocity. So, you know, my frozen veggies and stuff in there, I hope 
they're all okay and they didn't get hit yes. with any shrapnel. <laughs> <laughs> Collateral damage in the freezer. That's right. <laughs> At least you had it contained, so that's good. Exactly, exactly. Oh boy. It was a controlled explosion. Yes, those are the best kind, like fireworks. Well. <laughs> you wouldn't go that far. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch, but okay. <laughs> you know what, just. Let it go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, and we're taking away the sound effects from Bobby. Yes, we are, but I'm not taking that off the soundboard. I'm going to be keeping that no, for I a think while. you should leave it. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> it is very important. Another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.